This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 17. I'm Jim Garrity. Today's topic, can you ask the same questions in a deposition that you've just asked and gotten answers to in interrogatories? Or is that a form of harassment? And here's a question about the reverse situation. After you take a deposition, can you serve interrogatories that ask the same questions that you just asked and got answers to in the deposition? Or is that an objectionable form of oppression or annoyance? The question whether you can ask the same questions in a deposition that you previously got answers to in interrogatories is one that judges have been wrestling with for many years. Most commonly, lawyers first serve interrogatories to help them frame the topics and questions that they're going to ask in a subsequent deposition, only to face objections by defending lawyers in the depositions along the lines of, we've already answered that question, counselor, in the interrogatories, so move on. Is that a fair objection? And what should you do if you encounter that? The short answer is that it's generally entirely proper to ask the same or similar questions in a deposition that you first posed and got answers to in interrogatories. Why? Well, there are a couple of obvious reasons. First, in the majority of cases, interrogatory answers are chiefly crafted by lawyers, or at least refined or heavily refined by a party's counsel. So it's fair to test the completeness and veracity of an interrogatory answer that you've previously received by posing the same or similar questions to a witness live in a deposition. And commonly, if the party upon whom you serve the interrogatories is an organization or entity, you may not know who provided the information in the answers. Those answers are often signed by a corporate representative where the response simply says that they collected information from multiple people. So it not only makes sense that you're going to ask individual witnesses the same or similar questions, it's typically critical that you do so. You might very well find some cracks in the story once you begin questioning individual witnesses uh, because those answers to interrogatories that are crafted by lawyers often don't perfectly mesh with the answers that will be given by individual witnesses once they're exposed to your cross-examination. And remember that interrogatory answers are the answers of the party. If an opposing party is in fact an entity, then those responses are the responses of the party, but not necessarily an individual officer, director, or manager. So if the entity served the answers, you're not really asking the same questions to the same person, so to speak, that responded to the interrogatories, unless, of course, you're in the middle of a 30B6 deposition when the witness is, in fact, also the voice of the party. Another reason why it's okay to ask the same or similar questions in a deposition that you first posed in interrogatories is that interrogatory answers often don't fully respond to the questions that you posed. Inevitably, there are bits and pieces that have been overlooked or ignored. So the only way you'll really get a complete response is to have the combination, the interrogatory answers that you got prior to the start of the deposition and the answers you get from the witnesses once your depositions are underway. Sometimes the interrogatory answers are so generic you've just got to follow up. Sometimes the interrogatory answer is implausible. Sometimes it just begs for further explanation. For example, you might have asked uh, the question in your interrogatories about the justification for the party's decisions about something. Maybe you want to know why they fired an employee. Maybe you want to know why, in a case involving a patent, why the decision was made to hold the patent in one LLC versus another. Questions like that, when they're posed in interrogatories, will typically result in an answer that at least gives you an outline or the contours of what you want to know. 
but not a complete answer that definitively provides the information that you actually need. So unless your interrogatory asked for something that simply cannot be further developed, such as the names of employees in a particular unit, it's entirely proper, and as I say, usually essential, that you follow up on those critical interrogatory answers with questions that are similar in your deposition. Nine times out of 10, the answers you get live in a deposition simply aren't going to neatly match the interrogatory answer that you got. And that's true even when the opposing party is an individual. In my experience, there are precious few individuals that without very thorough preparation uh, are able to readily tailor their deposition answers to match the responses they put together with or without counsel's help in response to interrogatories. Now, the same principle applies with regard to situations where you first depose witnesses and then serve interrogatory answers that essentially ask the same thing. Unless it's a 30B6 deposition, odds are that the witness is not going to be ready to answer the more critical questions fully and in detail. So the answers they give on the fly are just not going to be enough. So it makes sense to follow up your deposition inquiry with an interrogatory that asks for the same or similar information. And remember again, in cases involving a corporate adversary, when you depose the witnesses, their answers are the answers of those witnesses only, and they may or may not bind the entity. But when you then follow up uh, after your depositions with interrogatory answers and you ask the same or similar question in those interrogatories, you're going to get the answer of the entity in that situation. So you're not really posing the same question uh, to the same witness. Now, there are certainly situations where you've served an interrogatory answer and gotten a response that's great for you. Obviously, in those circumstances, you may not want to open the door to allow the witness to modify that answer if they subsequently realized that the response in the interrogatories was harmful to them. So you always want to be mindful that following up on great interrogatory answers might just give the opposing side the entree they need to unwind the damage. All right, so let's look at some of the cases and talk a little bit about what courts have said on this issue of asking the same question in depositions that you posed already in interrogatories. By the way, I'll put the full case citations in the show notes, as well as a parenthetical for each case to remind you what the case was about so that you can track it down if you need to. And some of these cases involve some fairly interesting issues. In one, a party wanted a court to order the defendant to use depositions to ask certain questions and not interrogatories. In another, the party wanted the exact opposite. They wanted the court to order the defense to ask certain questions only in the form of interrogatories and not in the depositions. So they were trying to specify the type of discovery that the opposing party had to use, and they wanted to make doubly sure that they didn't get it in two different formats. And finally, I'll cite at least one case that I thought was very interesting. In that particular case, the plaintiff said, well, the defendant should have asked the same question in my deposition as they asked in my interrogatories. Uh, in that particular case, the defendant had moved to compel better interrogatory answers. The defendant essentially, or the plaintiff essentially said, look, judge, I know my interrogatory answers weren't up to snuff, but the defendant shouldn't be allowed to complain about my interrogatory answers now because they took my deposition and they should have asked those same questions again, and they didn't. So the plaintiff said, in effect, the defendant has lost its right to ask me to provide better interrogatory answers, specifically because they didn't take that second shot at me. Uh, the court in that case obviously said, no, that's not how it works. But I'll talk about that case in just a minute. All right, let's go through them. 
In a case where the deposition questions came first and were then followed by interrogatories, a federal judge in the Northern District of Illinois in April 2020 said, no problem with that. Uh, the case is Beijing Choice Electronic Technology Company Limited versus Conti Medical Systems USA. The judge in that case said, the use of interrogatories to ask questions similar to those asked in depositions is not improper. The court said that discovery methods are complementary, not alternative or exclusive. And the judge said that interrogatory answers may be more useful because they are the answers of the party. And I mentioned that just a minute ago not just a witness who may be testifying in an individual capacity. And the judge said interrogatory answers are often more concise versus deposition answers whose collective import or meaning may only come from stitching together multiple answers from multiple pages of a transcript. So the judge says, look, you can't refuse to respond to an interrogatory simply because the interrogatory seeks information that has been provided elsewhere in the case through other discovery methods such as a deposition. And the court cites some cases that stand for that proposition that a party is not prevented from obtaining an interrogatory response just because the information requested by the interrogatory is similar to other discovery already obtained. So the court notes that even if deposition testimony has provided answers to questions asked by the interrogatories, it doesn't obviate the need for the uh, recipient of the interrogatories to provide answers in accordance with the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. So the judge rejects the contention that if something has been responded to upon a deposition question, that it's somehow excessive to, fr excessive to frame the same question as an interrogatory. And it said the following, quote, Indeed, a party may consider an interrogatory response to be more valuable than deposition testimony. An interrogatory response is always the response of a party, whereas a witness's testimony does not necessarily constitute the testimony of a party if given in the witness's individual capacity. And at that point, the judge cites some authority for the proposition that when a person testifies in his or her individual capacity under Federal Rule 30b-1, that witness speaks on their own behalf, not on behalf of the company. And then the court wraps up with the following observation, quote, and just as a practical matter, a party may be able to more easily question its opponent's witnesses at trial about a narrative explanation found in a self-contained interrogatory response than about an explanation given at a deposition, which might have to be pulled from different pages of a lengthy deposition transcript, close quote. All right, similar holding in another decision, Kynes, K-A-I-N-Z versus Anheuser-Busch, Inc., out of the Northern District of Illinois. There the court says, quote, an objector to interrogatories bears the burden of establishing that they are annoying, vexatious, or oppressive beyond the limits of justice, without such a showing that complete answers to the interrogatories are in fact contained in the deposition transcripts, this burden is not discharged, Close quote. Similar holding in the case DeSantis versus Smith of Philadelphia out of the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, 1987, the court says, quote, the various methods of discovery are intended to be cumulative, not alternative nor exclusive. So if a party wishes to object to an interrogatory on the grounds that a prior deposition provided the answers, that party's got to show abuse or injustice from having to respond to the interrogatories. Okay, one last case uh, supporting the proposition that it's quite okay to ask the same question in depositions that you did in interrogatories. And this is Hunt versus McNeil Consumer Healthcare out of the Eastern District of Louisiana in 2013. And the point the court made there was 
that questions in depositions are likely to be different and to explore nuance uh, beyond what was given in written interrogatory answers. In the written ruling, the judge essentially says, look, I've read the interrogatory answers that were given. I've read the deposition questions that were asked in the deposition. They are, in fact, semantically distinct and different from the questions that were posed in the depositions. There are enough subtle differences that it makes sense that the lawyer is going to ask uh, questions about the same topics in deposition that he did in the interrogatory answers. Okay, before we wrap up, let me cover a couple of twists in the research that might be useful to you down the road. In one case, a party attempted to force the adversary to use interrogatories in lieu of a deposition to ask questions. Of course, the court rejected that. Federal Rule 26D3 allows you as a party to conduct discovery in any method and in any sequence and does not limit the methods used to do so absent court order. Uh, that uh, surfaced in a case called Sprayberry versus Portfolio Recovery Associates, LLC, a decision out of the federal district court in Oregon in 2018. There, the district judge rejected a plaintiff's request that the defendant be forbidden to take depositions of the plaintiff, where, according to the plaintiff, the defendant could get the same information through less burdensome discovery methods. The court said, nope, not going to have that, saying that the plaintiff doesn't cite any authority for the proposition that a plaintiff can decline to answer specific deposition questions because the opposing party could somehow ask the same question in an interrogatory or request for admission or get the information from some other source. With the court concluding there saying that answering deposition questions is certainly no more burdensome than responding to written discovery requests. And finally, in a case where the defendant said, we're happy to sit for deposition, we just don't want to answer interrogatories on the same questions, the court said, Nope, doesn't work that way either. Court said, quote, plaintiff's suggestion that defendant should proceed by deposition to obtain this information is in direct contravention of the federal rules of civil procedure, particularly Rule 26, which generally allows a party to choose its method and the sequence of discovery. Court went on to say, further, plaintiff's counsel has stated that the process of responding to these interrogatories would encompass, quote, exhaustive facts. The court therefore believes that plaintiffs should be able to provide a more thorough, complete, and correct response to these inquiries by responding to a written discovery request as opposed to a cold question in deposition. And that is from Lowry versus County of Riley, a 2009 federal court decision out of Kansas. All right, so where does all that leave us? The short answer is it not only makes sense that you're going to be asking the same or similar questions, in depositions that you asked in interrogatories, it's almost always essential. Interrogatories are typically canned answers, written with the intervention and assistance of trial lawyers. Depositions are the exact opposite. They're questions on the fly, answered on the fly, without intervention. Deposition questions are a crucial way to test the accuracy of those interrogatory answers. For the most part, the only questions the courts have said you should not ask in a deposition once you've asked them in an interrogatory, are the kinds of questions you wouldn't waste your time repeating in deposition anyway. But it's the essence of a deposition cross-examination and a trial cross-examination that you're going to test the strength of those interrogatory answers that a witness has previously given. And with that, we'll close the discussion on this topic. As always, thanks for listening. This podcast is based on the 450-page field guide, 10,000 Depositions Later, the premier litigation guide for superior deposition practice, 
now in its third edition and available on Amazon and just about everywhere you get your litigation books.